When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the wrap up where I am surprisingly alone. But no, Sal is joining me in just a second. He's just experiencing some technical difficulties. He'll be here in a second. Uh, he, he put me on the spot for this one. But we are here after the Toronto Raptors lost 111-110 to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome in, Zahal. Do you care to explain Sorry. yourself or no? <laughs> just had a little, just some audio issues. That's all. Okay. Uh, you want to take over for me or you want me to keep going yeah. here? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, welcome to the Wrap Up Live. I know Orange already said that to you guys. This is the official Raptors Republic live post game show and podcast where we talk about the latest Raptors game. I'm here. Obviously, you heard him, Orin Weisfeld, and this live show was produced by Kiana Dad. And tonight, your Toronto Raptors were defeated by the Dallas Mavericks. It was a little mini Western Conference road trip that ended tonight. And unfortunately, they were defeated 111-110 to the Mavericks. That brings the record to five wins, four losses on the five season. Four, yeah. And last but not least, if you love the Toronto Raptors, we guys, we ask you guys this every single episode. Do us hardworking individuals at Raptors Republic a favor and subscribe to the Raptors Republic YouTube and the Rapcast podcast channel wherever you're watching or listening all right Oren, let's get into this game it was in dallas american airlines center um the raptors are going against possibly the mvp favorite i guess beside Giannis in luka Doncic, um a guy that the nba just hasn't found a solution to at all the raptors over the last few years have tried absolutely everything against uh luka um, in this game, I guess immediately when the game began, I was thinking we would see what usually, what usually, sorry, the Raptors do, which is just uh, switch up a bunch of things, uh, mix up some man with some zones, switching, blitzing him. Uh, none of that happened. They threw Scotty Barnes on him, and it looked like it was they were fine with that. I mean, there, you did see some late help situations. Um, getting into the game, the Raptors did make a run near the end. Um, what did you think overall? Some general takes uh, takeaways from the game. Yeah, if we could throw up the box score. I mean, Luca had 36, 35. He's averaging 35. So we <laughs> talked about that at the end of last yeah. episode, just how he's averaging that many points, which is pretty wild. But you saw today how much the Mavs offense revolves around him. So to a certain extent, it makes some sense that like he he just he always has the ball in his hands if he's on the court. And man, I, I tweeted this, but like out of all the star players that I've seen, Luca destroys the Raptors the most because the doubles and the and the hedging and the trapping and blitzing, all the aggressive stuff they throw at him. He, ne- he no matter how much length is on him, and and no matter how much tight quarters he's in, he always has a way to get the ball out of that, and then to basically create like a four on three. 
uh, for the Mavs. And they're obviously pretty used to playing in those situations. They're pretty good at it. So anything that the Raptors threw at him, uh, he got out of. And and like you said, for most of the game, at least, it was a lot of Scotty one-on-one against Luka. And that just did not go well. Like, Scotty did not. He couldn't stay in front of him. And most players can't stay in front of Luka. So it was a tough ask for sure. And it felt like the Raptors were okay with like Scotty gets blown by. And then here's your second layer of defense. Like we have a plan for Scotty getting blown by. Right. And Mm -hmm. the the plan just didn't really work. Guys were coming off the corners and the Mavs were making that extra pass and they were getting really good looks all night. And yeah, um, tough loss, but overall, I thought the process was fine, just considering considering Trent played so poorly and Scotty played so poorly up until the last five minutes. You, we did get some really good performances from guys like OG and Boucher and Otto Porter. Uh, Achua was okay. So I, I guess not all bad other than the really bad thing that we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into that right away. I don't want to bring everybody's spirits down. But um, I guess the Raptors did finally put a string of games together with the same starting lineup, Warren, which has been um, a difference, I guess, this season. It's been a lot of shuffling uh, this year. Christian Coloco, we've talked about a lot. He's entered the starting lineup. And they went with that, uh, what I like to call the Goliath starting lineup, the the bigs all all in there. I mean, I guess minus Gary Trent Jr. They started Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Christian Coloco which has been their starting lineup for now the past three games and the previous two games. Um, just yeah. quickly getting into that, because obviously Fred Van Vliet uh, was out with lower back stiffness, and then Ken Birch was also ruled out late uh, just before the game started with right knee soreness. Um, what do you think so far, just your, your, your thoughts about this starting lineup and how they've meshed together so far to start games? Yeah, their numbers are really good. I know that. Uh, but this game was a good example of Coloco just not being able to handle the size of JaVale McGee and Dwight Powell. Uh, I thought he got bullied. And I thought that it felt like the Raptors had no rim pressure or sorry, no rim protection tonight to the point where like I want to look it up points in the paint. Okay, 50 to 48. So not huge, not a huge difference. Both teams definitely scored a lot in the paint, but still 50 points in the paint for the Mavs. That's a little too many, especially like you're considering they start this huge starting lineup with a seven footer and all this length. You expect to wall off the paint a little bit. And I just felt like the Raptors rim protection was really lacking tonight. And it's tough for Nurse because there was no Kem Birch. Like this would have been a game where I would have pulled Coloco quick and got Kem in there. Obviously, he wasn't available. I like that he brought Thad Young in in the first half, but then he didn't bring him in again. So that was kind of disappointing for me. Um, yeah, they 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 didn't really find a solution until until Boucher uh, made himself the solution because Boucher was just so good yeah. in the second half that he yeah like I, I'm fine with the starting lineup a, as is, but there's going to be nights where Coloco doesn't have it and you got to adjust quickly. I don't think they did adjust quickly enough tonight. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it was tough. I don't think they adjusted quickly quickly enough either. And I think it's it's so difficult when the majority of your game plan surrounds one player who is, you know, on any given night is the best player on the planet. In Luka Doncic, he gets to the line. He's aggressive. You cannot guard him one-on-one. He'll shred his own. Um, he's seen everything uh, so far in this league. And it's, it is tough because now you're in a situation where, the Dallas Mavericks roster 
is constructed in a way where um, you have shooters all around him. I mean, Reggie Bullock was 0 for 5 from 3, but he's not going to do that every single game, right? He was 1 for 7 in this game. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is another guy who can stretch it out. Um, and then they brought him that secondary kind of primary creator in Spencer Dinwiddie last season in that trade that they made, who had a very good game. I mean, he was 8 for 17. He wasn't a very little good. bit of foul trouble. Yeah, a little bit of foul trouble. He had four fouls. I think three of them were offensive fouls in the game. Um, 21 points for him, seven assists. Just what you need if you're Luka um, in terms of secondary scoring. And then they got a bunch of bench scoring as well. Um, okay. you know, yeah. Yeah, Christian Wood, I mean, put up uh, some points for them. I think he had 13 on five for eight shooting. Um, uh, what's his? I always want to call him Jalen Green, but it's not. It's not Jalen Green. Is it Jalen Green? No, Josh, it's, uh, Josh, Green? Josh Green. Yeah, he's Josh Australian. Green. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That, he had that some was good moments for them as well. It's true. That was kind of the difference because, like, you know what Luke is going to do, and you know how he's going to create. But when he's off the floor, when they made that big run, he was off the floor in the you second. You need to quarter. win those minutes, right? You have to. And Javale and and sorry, Christian Wood and Spencer Dinwiddie were just killing the Raptors in single coverage, and it's like you can't really adjust your whole game plan towards them because your game plan is so Luka-centric. Um, but that was, to me, the difference was Wood and, and Dinwiddie kind of killing them in those minutes. Yeah, I, I wasn't really happy with, and I don't want to single him out, but I wasn't really happy with uh, Scotty Barnes's, um, at least his point of attack defense in this game. I don't yeah. blame him for the for the Luka stuff because realistically, Oren, who can, who can take Luka one-on-one in this league? Nobody. Literally nobody. Um, so I'm not blaming him for that, but there was possessions after possession where he was stuck on Spencer Dinwiddie and he was pressing him up the court and and he just kept getting blown past I mean like I don't understand what uh he was he was attempting because usually when you play that aggressive up the court um OG's done it a, a, tons of times this season he pokes the ball free turnover you have a transition break but Scotty was just pressing guys I mean if, if it wasn't a full court press it was a half court press and Spencer Dinwiddie was getting to the rim easily and the Raptors rotations weren't getting there fast enough. So I wasn't happy with that. And then it didn't help as well, like you mentioned, that Scotty Barnes was scoreless up until one second left in the third quarter yeah. where he hit, a, he hit a three at the top of the key. Um, a shot that honestly wasn't a great Scotty Barnes shot. I mean, you're okay with him isoing up his defender and then just pulling the trigger. It's not a terrible thing to see, but I just wanted more aggressiveness out of Scotty Barnes. It did help, uh, Oren, that we saw... That was kind of that aggressive, that lack of aggressiveness from Scotty was replaced um, pretty adequately by Chris Boucher and OG Ananobi. Um, yeah, but, lo- but let me stay on Scotty here for a second. Yeah, it just, I wasn't happy. Yeah, it's weird because what you're saying is like he was too aggressive on defense and not aggressive enough on offense, exactly. right? It's yeah. definitely true. And, and, it's kind of erased by the fact of he did the last five minutes of the game, he went off, he was great on both ends. Um, he finished the game with a triple double, I think at first of his career. So like, yeah, it was, a you know, when you look at the box where it was a finite, but really it didn't start until the fourth quarter for him. Um, and the defensive stuff is so weird. Cause I don't know who I should blame, honestly. Like, I don't know if they're okay with him pressuring Luca like that and ball pressuring denying. And then once the blow by happens, they play out of that, like, for some reason, I feel like that's part of their game plan to an extent yeah. or else they would like talk to him out at some at, at some point and be like, hey, man, you can't do this for me. Um, his defense on Luca wasn't good enough, but I was thinking the same thing as Trace. Like I was like, OK, at a certain point, 
yeah, Scotty got the matchup. That's fine. But at a certain point, we're going to see OG on, on Luca, And we never saw it. Like, it wasn't until the last possession or something that, yeah, OG went for the steal. It was a stupid play. And he shouldn't have done that. But anyways, like, mm-hmm. OG should have had Luca in the fourth quarter. And whatever. Play him in single coverage, whatever you want to play him. But OG should have been the primary, I thought. They went to that way too late. And I'm talking, like, last possession of the game late. And Scotty didn't have it, and it was like you gotta adjust. Like Nick is known as a guy who adjusts quickly, and he's like a he's like a mad scientist, right? And in this game, yeah. it felt like like I'm sure I'm missing some of the more intricate stuff, but it felt like a pretty similar coverage from start to finish for Luca. Yeah, I, it's, it was it was just difficult to watch, um, and it's so hard because going into this game, the Raptors played Wednesday night previous to this game. Um, this is a Friday night game in Dallas. And going into the game, I'm sure a lot of Raptors fans are thinking, how on earth is Nick Nurse going to craft a plan to stop this Luka guy? And uh, we told you early on it was Scotty Barnes, um, a lot of half-court pressing. And I don't think it was great. I mean, in the moment, Oren, I thought about it like maybe Nick Nurse is just trying to generate a ton of fatigue from Luka uh, with these full-court presses and these half-court presses. Maybe he's just trying to exhaust him. I mean, Luca can't do this all game, but apparently, I mean, if you've watched their six or seven games prior, he can. Luca's a guy with fantastic um, stamina. He can do this all game long. You saw that one one play, and I know this is going to be all over House of Highlights, Bleacher Report, everywhere. I mean, mm. I already saw it on Def Pen Hoops, um, that little highlight with him just going on a dribbling display and then just throwing up a shot. Luca's just, I don't, yeah, I'll find I don't have words for him i don't have adjectives for him um he's just quite clearly one of the best players on the planet yeah hoop central posted it as well precious did everything right i mean yeah luca looked like he was lost i don't i, I mean yeah uh, for our podcast listeners we were watching the play um at the third quarter 25 seconds remaining where luca just took precious one-on-one and just dribble left dribble right dribble left dribble right and then just faded and fell to the ground and then did that little two-handed celebration ran back on defense so it's difficult. It's 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 so hard going up against a team like this because it's not just Luka Doncic, right? This team wouldn't win if it was just Luka Doncic. It's um, other guys chipping in in key moments, like we mentioned, Spencer Dinwiddie, Josh Green, Christian Wood, uh, Dwight Powell, the resident Canadian. Um, it's it's difficult, and, and it's one of those things where, Oren, you go against Luka later on in the season, and I don't know what the Raptors' plan is going to be for him. I mean, the, the best adjustment can obviously be the OG primary defender adjustment, but other than that, it's almost like you just got to hope and pray that, that Luka's on an off game. Yeah, um, they've never had been good against Luka, and, and players of yeah. his kind of prototype have always burned Nick Nurse and the Raptors because Nurse likes to be super aggressive, and he likes... Um, yeah, he likes to force guys into tough decisions and tight spaces. And I think part of the Raptors defensive style is betting on, okay, yeah, you're going to have enough of these four on three open threes, but we're also going to force enough of these turnovers that it's going to even itself out. And in a game like this, the Mavs actually had 19 turnovers, but the Raptors only had 17 fast break points out of that. So they didn't they didn't get on the run at all and um yeah they, i don't yeah, know i want to talk about an that. answer to to luca yeah i yeah. want to talk about that because as far as i'm concerned or and i'm i'm a, i'm just exhausted of the ugly isolation ball especially to start games i tweeted that the raptors need to move the ball around and get away from the 
the your turn, my turn, isolation, uh, basketball. I feel like almost every run that the Raptors have made this season in um, singular, you know, whatever, whether it's the end of the second quarter, beginning of the third, has come with Siakam being that offensive fulcrum and the ball just flying around. I I have a bunch of stats, Oren, that just prove that the Raptors in isolation are not great. I mean, according to the NBA stats database, the Raptors use the third most isolations per game. That's 12.3 possessions. They use isolations at an 11.2% frequency. But guess what, Warren? They are eighth worst in the NBA in points per isolation possession at 0.85. I feel like it's just a tail that that stands the test of the, the test of time. And you know, when the Raptors play like a slow, grinded out half-court game with very little transition opportunities that usually result from productive defensive possessions, they struggle. The Raptors averaged the most transition possessions at 24.5 in, in the entire NBA entering this game. And they're very efficient. 1.32 points per transition possession. That's second in the NBA. Their score frequency, according to the NBA, to, according to the NBA stats database, is at 61.2%. That's the best in the NBA. Their free throw frequency percentage, 20.4%. That's, that's, again, best in the NBA. And guess what, Oren? Turnover percentage on all of these transition possessions, 7.7%. And that's fourth best in the league. This is one of, if not the most uh, efficient transition team uh, in the entire league. I mean, they do it at a high rate. And in this game, I just felt like we saw a lot of ugly half-court possessions. And I don't know if you feel like it's time, but there was one guy, one guy who was playing some aesthetically pleasing basketball in the half-court, and that was Pascal Siakam. He had 17 points in the first half, 7 for 12 shooting. I think there was two. um, Yeah, I mean... At least in the first half. At least in okay. the first half, it was Siakam, and then obviously we saw uh, OG play really well in the third in the third quarter as well. Um, it's difficult, man. I'm watching a team that I feel like they're doing a lot of isolation, and they're not good at it. You can't run the third most isolation in the league and be one of the worst teams in the league at the points per isolation possession, and then yeah. know that you're great in transition and super efficient, and you're generating all these 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 free throws and, and you're scoring at the best rate in transition and here you are slowing down the game um i mean it's 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 difficult i watch this team and i'm just like what is happening sometimes um if not for chris boucher Oren off the bench i don't know <laughs> i don't know where this team would be in this in this game and in previous games yeah as well. oh they would have got slapped this game but i mean to the yeah. transition stuff yeah i just wrote about that and like so much of their offense depends on transition for sure uh, but the Mavs were smart tonight. Like the Mavs had only six offensive rebounds. So it kind of goes to show they didn't throw their bodies to the glass. They really made an effort to get back on transition. So I don't think it's that the Raptors were slowing the game down. I think it was that the Mavs weren't letting them run. Right. And same thing with like the Mavs hit 50% of their, their field goals. Like when you're not getting stops and you're not getting steals in the open court and guys are getting back it's really hard to run in transition. So your defense has to fuel that. And I think we're going to see all season, if their defense isn't good and clicking, their transition offense isn't going to be very good either. But yeah, to your point about isolations in the half court and how much they do it compared to how inefficient it is, that's a whole different issue. And they they really don't have like a half court offensive system. <laughs> so that that's yeah. a different issue that it's two years running now that they run a ton of isolation and they don't get a ton out of it. 
Um, but I'm ready to move on to the positives if you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we can get into, do you want to talk about OG first? We can talk about Chris Boucher's, another explosion off the bench, whatever you want to get at first I'm with. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go OG. Um, cause I thought, I thought he had a really impressive night and fantastic. Yeah. He became a third player in NBA history today to have five steals in three straight games. So, like, yeah, the defense <laughs> is, is crazy. But I want to talk about the offense because yesterday I was here talking crazy. <laughs> to, or two days ago, I was saying how mm-hmm. Scotty might have had a slightly better start to his season than OG. A, a lot of that thinking, and that was just like us having a conversation. It wasn't like any research went into that. A lot of that thinking, though, was how inefficient i thought og had been on offense and his assists are down and his turnovers are up from last year so definitely he's making some bad decisions but i saw before the game that he has a 58 true shooting percentage this season which is actually really good and i was really surprised to see that because in my mind og has not shot the ball very well i think he's around 36 37 percent which you know is okay but for him he, he has a higher ceiling than that and I, I've just seen him, yeah, like every time he puts the ball on the floor, it felt like other than the last couple of games, bad things were happening. So I was really surprised to see that he had a 58 true shooting percentage this season. And today was, yeah, defensively great, obviously. But I thought like every time he put the ball on the floor, he made good decisions. The mid-range looked really good. The three-pointer looked really good. Um, he didn't get, I thought some like the the Dinwiddie flop, oh my god, horrible! That was a terrible call. Yeah. Oh my, god. yeah. And I saw it coming horrible. a mile away. But okay, yeah. he didn't have the whistle tonight at all. But I I just thought he was phenomenal offensively, really in control. And I think if this is what we're getting more and more of as the season goes on, uh, yeah. Raptors offense should be a little bit better. And one of the cool things, Oren, that they were doing in this game is that they were hunting. Luka Doncic with OG Ananobi in some of these isolation possessions for them and it was working um Luka's the type of guy where he's not I don't think I mean from the eye test at least he doesn't look like a horrible horrible defender you watch him and he has a big strong body um he's not going to allow you to just you know blow past him every time I mean he's pretty mobile I'd say for the for the you know body type that he has but he was OG was hunting I mean and it looked it looked great a lot of OGs, you know, scoring opportunities, or at least productive, efficient scoring opportunities, were coming with Pascal Siakam out of the game. And um, yeah, he I was tweeted as well. for himself tonight, like exactly most of his buckets. Yeah, I tweeted as well that the Raptors are going to stand absolutely no chance if one of OG Gary Trent Jr. or Chris Boucher doesn't have a great game when Pascal Siakam exits. Because um, obviously, we're going to get into Pascal Siakam in a bit, but with that injury. Um, you need guys to step up. You're already down your all-star in Fred Van Fleet. So you needed a guy to step up. And OG came into this game. And I think you said it was the third time it happened in league history. And I believe it was the first time in Raptors history that a player got five or more steals in three straight games. So OG, I mean, creating history, a very, very efficient, you know, 11 for 21, 27.7 rebounds, five steals. Um, He looked really good in this game. Um, and I want to talk about the guy who has been an absurd player off the bench, my sixth man of the year. I know it's early, Warren. I know it's early to talk about awards, but we're talking about if you look down the entire Raptors roster, there was one guy, actually two, 
who had uh, a positive plus minus in this game. I mean, Scotty Barnes is a plus one, so he just basically made the cut. Chris Boucher, Oren, was a plus 20 in this game. He came in, he had a, he suffered from a little, just a tiny bit of foul trouble, right? Had a little bit of foul mm. trouble, uh, was out in that first half of the third quarter, uh, and then came into the game and made, again, an instant impact, instant offense, He's doing everything. He's he's doing everything. He's creating turnovers. Um, he was hitting pull-up mid-range jump shots in this game. He's stretching the floor incredibly well for Toronto, um, scoring, uh, giving them second-chance opportunities, offensive rebounding, um, a great great defensive rebound. I mean, he's been good around the glass just in general, very good at – I mean, I need to really look into his stats at his ability to, to draw fouls, Warren, because I feel like when he's around the rim um, – Players just can't handle him. You saw one of those plays, Luca had to shove him in the back. <laughs> and I, one thing I'll never understand, this is a side point, one thing I'll never understand, Oren, about Luca, he could, you know, commit the most clear-cut, crystal clear uh, foul. You'll look at it on the replay. I mean, he clearly shoved Chris Boucher in the back just before he went up, which is a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty dangerous yeah. play. I mean, the, the Dallas broadcasters were talking about it as well. I mean, that was a clear foul on Luca. And Luca sat down with the ball, so angry with the referees, grasped, grasped the ball like this. Sorry, if you're a podcast listener, you don't know what I'm doing. But grasped the ball like Tim Duncan does, you know, during the pregames, if you guys remember that. He was so angry. And I'm, and I'm looking there, what are you talking about, Luca? Chris Boucher yeah. has been a revelation. He is my sixth man of the year. I don't care if you call me biased or what. He was a plus 20 at 17 points. You can see it on the screen, nine rebounds as well. Uh, four of those were offensive rebounds. Um, he played 30 minutes, probably not going to play that often unless Pascal Siakam comes out, but uh, I've been talking enough. What did you think about Chris Boucher's game? No, I feel like you said it all. Um, we talked about him also against the Spurs a couple of days ago, right? So yeah. just talked about how he's getting so much more consistent in delivering every single night, it feels like. So I, I really don't have a lot to add other than in that third quarter when the Raptors came back from down 20 and to made it to like down three at one point. Um, it was Chris Boucher leading that run, doing a little bit of everything, not just scoring. So, um, yeah, my question, I guess, would be who gets the tax man, Boucher or OG? That's We got a rock, paper, scissors for this or something. Oh, this is tough. Who got it last game? Wait, who got I it think, against I think Antonio? I think you gave it to OG. And no, I, I gave and it I, to Trent. I gave it to Trent. Oh, was it Trent? Yeah, yeah. You said, and then it was yeah. his first one. First one of the season. So, yeah. Well, let me tell you. Trent. Let me tell you. He's yeah. not getting it tonight. He's not. He's definitely not getting it tonight. I'm with you. Um, that was a rough game. Ah, this is really tough. You pick. This you is, pick. Because I picked last game. This is difficult. Um, I... I'm... One guy made history in OG, and then Chris Boucher was a plus 20 in 30 minutes. Um, All right, I'm we're gonna, giving it to both of them, then. I'm going yeah, to, yeah, we'll give it to both. We'll do, we'll do Can-Am tax men mans, of the night. I did. Mans. Or we're, mans, in Toronto. Mans. We're, we're in Toronto. We're in Toronto. You're right. You're right. You're right. 100%. Can-Am tax men of the night. Um, and you can see at the top of the screen, if you're watching as a live viewer, canamtax.com is where you need to go for all your tax needs. Uh, you can contact them at 416 243 2912. That's 416-243-2912. CanAmTax.com. Uh, everybody does their taxes unless you are um, an eight-year-old 
at 11.35 p.m. watching myself and Oren break down this post game, which you probably shouldn't. You should probably be asleep, um, especially because if you're in Ontario, I don't think you went to school, um, but that's a whole other issue. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, canamtax.com. You guys heard the number. Uh, and our Canam tax men of the night go to OG Ananobi, who made history tonight with five-plus steals in three straight games. Uh, league history and NBA history, and then Chris Boucher as well, who was absolutely fantastic off the bench, a plus 20, 17 points, nine rebounds in 30 minutes. Um, really quick, Oren, we didn't get into it yet, and we said we would save it till the end. Yeah, I got it right. <sighs> Pascal Siakam uh, left the game in the third quarter. with a, and it, it was a very scary fall. I'm going to be honest. You guys saw it on video for the live viewers. If you did not watch the game as a podcast listener, <laughs> Uh, Pascal was dribbling, Christian Wood guarding him, uh, right dribble, and he, I don't know if it was a sl- it looked like a slip. I don't he know slipped if it was on a wet that spot. Was slippery. Slipped yeah. on a wet spot, yeah. It looked tough, and the Raptors medical staff um, obviously informed the league that it was a strained right groin injury, um, which is not great. He left the game in the third quarter, did not return, and he looked like he was in pain. I mean... A lot of people have been have had groin injuries. Um, even you know the most the most um, unathletic. I mean, I can speak for myself as the one of the most unathletic people. I've had only one groin injury in my life. Not fun at all. I can only imagine what it's like for an actual athlete. Um, but yeah, what are I guess um, what are the takeaways from this one from this injury? I don't know how many games Pascal's going to miss. I don't even know if he's going to miss one game. I mean, the Raptors' next game is Sunday night versus the Bulls. DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. Speaking of DeMar DeRozan, really quick, 46 points. 46, holy, yeah. holy crap, DeMar DeRozan. Um, but, yeah, Pascal exited with a strain right groin injury. Oren, what what are your takeaways? What do the Raptors need to do? I mean, we'll know, I guess, by tomorrow, I guess Saturday, um, how long he'll be out for, if he'll be out. But the, the hope yeah. is that the injury is not serious, right? Yeah, we might even know tonight in the press conference post game for with whoever. Uh, I know Josh Lewenberg's at the game. I don't think a lot of Canadian media are, but like, because usually they do MRIs and stuff right there. So we might know something tonight. Um, yeah, not going to speculate or anything, but as of right now, if it's a right groin strain, that means I guess that nothing is broken or there's no, there's no, uh, you know, nothing snapped or anything. So, yeah, uh, groins can you be tough for sure. Yeah, they, 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 linger, they are right? one of those tricky things. Yeah, that that you have to be really careful with, and you can't rush it. So, it could be a little bit rough. Fortunately, I'll say the Raptors are the tough part of their schedule was the first seven games, and like they are in a little soft spot here where. It's not going to be easy or anything. Uh, they have a back to get back against Chicago, who's a pretty good team coming up. Yeah. But after that, it's like Pacers, Rockets, Pistons. So really, actually, a, a nice part of Thunder. the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's easy. Yeah, yeah, like those teams will put up a fight. But again, if if Scotty's on, if OG's on, uh, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about Fred, considering we don't know how he got injured. Um, I don't know if he came into the season not fully in shape and it had to do with that. Um, but if if those guys are both out, that's an issue. If Fred comes back and Pascal needs to take some time to get to to rehab, I think the Raptors are going to be just fine. 
we'll see. Yeah, I think so as well. It does help, obviously, that guys like Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi are are healthy. I mean, um, you you would hope that Fred Van Vliet comes back as soon as possible and returns to the Raptors uh, rotation. Um, Pascal, it's tough. I mean, he's been an MVP candidate this season, uh, clear clearly. I mean, he's been getting a lot of love from the NBA media. He has expanded his game. Most uh, stars have ended their press conferences when they play the Raptors with something along the lines of Pascal worked his butt off in the NBA offseason, and you're really starting to see the improvements. So it's tough to lose your best player. Um, like Oren said, though, the great the, 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 the great thing is that the Raptors' schedule does get easier. I mean, you can't just call the Rockets or the Thunder, the, especially the Pistons that are coming up. I believe that's the following Monday. Um, you can't just call those wins immediately, but the, the schedule does get easier. So just the Rockets. This, uh, yeah, I'll call that a win right now. The Rockets. <laughs> okay. Okay. OKC's we'll actually that. legit though. OKC is good this year. For sure. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't really want to end it on that. It's just. It's no. Tough. I let got me... a. I got a tweet of the night. Yeah. Just to be kind. Um, but yeah, it was uh, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes' first triple double. It's really nothing special. I, I just don't think we said that first career triple double for mm-hmm. for Scotty on the last play of the game to OG <laughs> for the three. So <laughs> that's fun. I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm happy. And oh, sorry. And I also saw a different tweet. Uh, I don't. I think it was the Raptors' PR tweet that it, he is the youngest player in franchise history to get a triple double, Scotty Barnes. So wow. Yeah, a lot of history so that, made tonight. That's yeah, honestly. Yeah, um, in a loss, unfortunately. Exactly, um, I was gonna say it's but, like Demar getting forty six in a loss. Like it's yeah. nice, but it's nice, exactly. Rather that's the, he that's the thirty in a win, you know. Uh, yeah, some other some other cool news from this game um, was that this was dubbed the international game. The Toronto Raptors had eight international players, which is the most in the league. Um, the Mavericks had seven in total. That's 15 players that uh, come from 12 different countries across the globe. That's pretty awesome uh, to see. Just to name a few, Josh Green, like we mentioned earlier, is from Australia. Maxi Kleba, Germany. Um, and then there's a bunch others. Obviously, we know the Raptors. We got a couple Canadians there. We got some African blood as well. Um, it's great. I mean, it's great to see international players all over the place. We didn't even name the, I guess, the most uh, notorious one, Luka Doncic, for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, this was fun. This was fun. I mean, I've said it before. Uh, unfortunately, it was a loss, but I've said that I enjoy Western Conference games. Um, they usually are games that you know have tons of offensive production from both teams, and the Raptors do head back home on Sunday night. It is a back-to-back, like Orrin mentioned earlier, uh, with the Chicago Bulls, a home and away. And before you guys leave us tonight, uh, we need you to subscribe to the Raptors Republic YouTube. Like this video if you haven't already. Do not leave us just yet. Like this video. Just, just, a, just a search. Just a click. That's all you got to do. As well as subscribe to our podcast channel, The Rapcast. This was the wrap up. Your official Raptors Republic post game live show, where your Toronto Raptors were defeated by the Dallas Mavericks, one eleven to one ten, bringing the Raptors record to five and four on the NBA season. The live show again was produced by Keon Haddad, who's in the background working super hard as per usual. And that was it for myself. So Hal Abdi, again, here with Oren Weisfeld. You could follow us on Twitter. Uh, our ats are, fortunately enough, our first and last names. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you all Sunday night versus DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls, who currently also 
just like the Raptors, sit at five wins and four losses on the season. It should be a fun one. It's a home and away. Um, it's always fun to see DeMar DeRozan. Anyways, take care. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you on Sunday.